Good afternoon, Parkies. Welcome to another career podcast for fall 2020. This podcast is part of the Park Forum series, a virtual professional development event that will make new connections, spark insights, and build momentum in our shared interest in communications. I'm your host, Savannah Dames, and today I'm joined with Eli Sirota, Senior Consultant at FTI Consulting, who is a 2017 Park alum. Eli studied integrated marketing communication with a minor in politics and has great advice to share with us today. Thanks for coming on the call, Eli. It's great to be here and uh, always happy to speak to a, another Parky. Yes, absolutely. So my first question, how did you land your first job and what was it? Yeah, so uh, it, it's actually a somewhat inter- interesting story. Um, after graduation, I had moved to uh, Boston where I was working at a lobbying firm. Uh, the firm also had a Washington, D.C. office, and they said uh, once the internship was was over, they knew I had an interest in Washington, D.C., so they said, move down there. There'll be a spot waiting for you. I walked into the D.C. office on the first day, and they had never heard of me. So oh. I, at this point, I had basically moved down to Washington, D.C. for what I thought was a job offer that didn't actually exist. Um, I spent a couple weeks applying online to different public affairs, crisis communications, political communications, lobbying type firms, and I ended up at a place called CLS Strategies. Um, Small firm uh, right near the White House, really focused on um, some pharmaceutical litigation, on some uh, manufacturing issues, and quite a bit of crisis communications. Um, It was definitely one of those moments where in the moment was very stressful. And you always hear about these stories of people who have, you know, long multi-decade careers where they say, you know, with my first job, here's my horror story. So it was interesting to, to live through one myself, but I think it gave um, a lot of perspective yeah. as far as uh, how the job market works. Um, and it was also a good opportunity to kind of cast a very wide net and, and see what came in. Um, I think that first job in particular at CLS was very informative for me as far as the type of company that I wanted to work at moving forward and the types of issues I wanted to move work on moving forward. So while it was a, a fairly roundabout way to get there, um, overall it was a really good experience. Well, I'm glad it all worked out in the end. It sounds like everything kind of fell into place. Yeah, it took a little bit of time, but um, all fell into place. And and I share that story, you know, to to say to people who are uh, new alums or are going to be, you know, alums one day, um, even in that moment where it seems like everything's really not working out, you know, there's another side to it. And um, I know that's tough to hear in the moment while you're looking for work, but um, it, it, it gets better. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. I think people will find comfort in that. So um, it sounds like you were kind of led to a career in crisis communications because of the job kind of switch there. But how did you decide that strategic communication was kind of the career path you're interested in? Yeah. So so coming into, into Ithaca as a freshman, uh, my main interest is really political communications. Um, and I thought that the IMC program as a whole uh, really focused on providing the core skill sets that you needed, but it wasn't necessarily industry specific. That's where my politics minor, um, and I also took quite a few of uh, economics classes, 
while I was at Ithaca, my goal was to land somewhere at the intersection of business policy and communications, hence the public affairs, crisis communications, lobbying type work. Uh, one of the things that I think is really neat about the IMC program and, and the STRATCOM program uh, as a whole is it, it gives you the tools that you need to thrive in any number of industries. So while I was sitting in class thinking, you know, it would be cool to go work on a political campaign or go work in the heart of Washington, D.C., I was sitting next to people who wanted to do sustainable fashion. I was sitting next to people who wanted to do sports. I was sitting next to people um who wanted to do more traditional PR and, and, and marketing and influencer work. But at the end of the day, it, it was really about the core skills that it provided, the ability to read, to write, to effectively communicate the ideas that I was pushing. Um, of course, some of the technical skills, the design elements, how to write a press release, et cetera. I, I think overall, the, the most beneficial piece was just general critical thinking. You have a story that you're trying to develop. You have a message that you're trying to share. It's about identifying who is it that you're trying to talk to and what is it that you want them to take away and then figuring out what are the strategies, tactics and execution um, to kind of best get that message across. Going into it, thinking about political communications, obviously that's more specific to constituents, to campaigns, to elections, but the root is is exactly the same as someone who's you know doing public relations for a a soap company. You know they're they're all the same tactics that go into it. So I, I do remember when I was looking at the classes, when I was looking at the major, I was less focused on the title of the major and the types of classes that we were taking. Yeah, obviously public relations, you know, PR writing. Uh, email marketing, um, all incredibly relevant. And it, it was the classes themselves that interested me more than the title of the major. Nice. I think that speaks volume about the value of Ithaca College and the diversity of interests. I think a lot of other schools may have that, but I'm so glad we have someone here who can provide actual evidence that that is available and relevant to a career such as uh, crisis communication. Yeah, I, I would also simply add on to that, if you're an IMC, a CMD um, major, th there really is no limit to the type of industry that you can pursue. And I do remember going around talking to different professors and alumni, a lot of them were at very traditional marketing and PR firms in um, New York City and Los Angeles. And just thinking to myself, that doesn't interest me and that's not where I mm. want to go. And it took a while to kind of change my mindset and understand that if you just focus on the skills that you attained in those classes, in that major, they're applicable to any industry that you're interested in. Great. That's really reassuring. Okay. Um, in your experience, what has been the biggest challenge and reward in your line of work? Yeah. So, you know, starting with challenge, um, Crisis communications is a unique industry. Um, particularly at FTI, we don't just do communications. I, I think we do more crisis management. 
because we're not simply advising on you know how to communicate a particular business decision. Often we're part of the conversation as to you know what should that decision be. I would say time is has been the uh, the biggest challenge. Um, crisis communications means I pretty much always have my phone on me, answering it in some ungodly hours, and you know top of a mountain in Utah all the way to, you know, taking a 3 a.m. call from from someone in Asia. Um, so it, it's it's challenging in that sense. On the other hand, the, the rewarding piece is really able to see some of these things come to fruition, um, particularly at FTI. We're not necessarily focused on doing day-to-day communications of, you know, press releases and social media posts. We're really more uh, issues focused. So if a client comes to us with a specific issue, whether it's a two week, one month, you know, two year long issue, having the opportunity to kind of see it through to the end and see the impact and the benefit of the work um, is always very beneficial. And I think having that sort of tangible evidence that you're moving the needle on an issue or helping achieve a client's goals um, as it relates to their freedom to operate and, you know, removing um, burdenous, you know, regulatory barriers. Um, be, being able to see that all come to fruition in real time uh, is the most rewarding piece. Love that. Yeah. I think measuring success is really rewarding in, a, in and of itself. So sounds cool in, in your line of work. And so you kind of talked about um, like a sense of urgency and how crises can come up, obviously. So it leads me to my next question about how COVID-19 has kind of impacted that. And has it come, is it coming to your line of work? Is it specific? Is it not really related? Like how has the uh, pandemic kind of affected that? Yeah. So, you know, from an internal perspective, uh, we're a global company. We have offices everywhere. The vast majority of people are working from home, as is uh, a lot of people in the country. And um, many of us are very fortunate to be able to do to to work like that, of course. Uh, from a work perspective, it, it's brought about uh, a whole host of new issues. Um, one, obviously, we're no longer on the ground traveling to to client sites to be able to uh, advise them in person, but clients are dealing with different challenges than they were before, um, whether it's uh, operational incidents that when everyone's working from home, the type of incidents changes. Uh, we've particularly seen a spike in cybersecurity incidences. I also work on the cyber uh, cyber response uh, crisis team. So when companies are hacked by uh, threat actors, um, we can help them kind of mitigate the damage there with everyone working from home uh, and not everyone being incredibly technologically savvy or understanding how to best set up and protect their own networks. We're definitely seeing an increase there. The other piece of work that we do or, or that, that I'm particularly involved in um, is litigation. And there's definitely been an uptick in litigation uh, as it relates to COVID-19 and as people are trying to figure out kind of what's next. Crisis as a whole as it relates to COVID-19 has definitely changed because it's, it's, it's one thing that's uniform in front of mind for everybody. So while pre-pandemic, 
different companies in different industries maybe dealing with completely separate and unrelated crises, now almost everything comes back to COVID. Whether it's if you're an airline company, what are the new protocols for, for boarding and serving? Um, if you're a chemicals manufacturer, how are you dealing with some people going into work versus um, some people working from home? If you're a healthcare company, how are you innovating to meet the challenges of the moment? It, it's, it's a unique time in the business where the main issue on everyone's mind is the same. Yeah, I think that's new. If Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of like a shared commonality that might not have been there before. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's leading to some really interesting integration um, among different industries that might not have been as connected before. For example, you have healthcare companies that are, are dealing with logistics companies. You have uh, airline companies that are dealing with tech companies using this as an opportunity to kind of revolutionize their fleets and um, add some more uh, environmentally friendly um, you know, planes to their fleet. So th there's a real opportunity to change. And I think we're seeing a lot of industry change. I'm not sure that back to normal will ever be a thing in the way normal was before. But I, mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here to invest and engage in, you know, the next generation of technology and protocols and norms that will allow us to, you know, enjoy at least the corporate side of life. Um, right. More to where we were before. I think you said something interesting there with the sense of normalcy, like the world is forever changed. So what will be normal? You know, I guess, I guess without the pandemic, that's the kind of normal that everyone's referring to, but I don't think it's ever going to be what it was. So I think that's quite interesting. I think that's right. And, and there are definitely certain industries that are, that are more impacted than others. Um, travel, tourism, uh, leisure um, will never be as they were before. There are, there are ways and there will be a path to recovery for um, airlines, transportation to get back to where it was but it won't be exactly the same as it was before. And I keep using that as an example because um, part of the, the aviation working group um, at the company. So that, that's one of my particular areas of focus. Yeah, very relevant though. So yeah, that's, that's great. So a little shift in focus. Um, my next question is, could you talk a little about the role of diversity, equity and inclusion at FTI Consulting? And like, how does it work in uh, your role there or your um, industry? Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a great question, and it's certainly one of the larger trends that we're seeing um, across industries, and and of course, consulting is is one of those. Um, I do know that we recently made as a company some very large investments in some diversity, you know, equity and inclusion leadership. Um, we've had a number of all staff, you know, calls, and then calls within our teams to kind of discuss some of the ongoing issues. Um, one of the things that I really credit FTI as a company for is when leadership takes the time out of their day to join our conversations about you know, relevant topics and have very honest, open and, and raw conversations. Um, that sort of leadership from the top down 
is uh, it's vital and, and it really leads to more buy-in from um, some of the, the younger staff as well. Um, we do have a number of different, you know, diversity and inclusion initiatives. We have a steering committee that's leading that at a national level, and we have smaller groups with each of uh, the sectors and practices and geographic offices that focus on that issue as well. So it's, it's definitely been a priority. I think at, at the beginning, um, when there were more uh, protests happening, um, we had a really interesting internal conversation where one of the leaders flat out said, it's hard to focus on what we're doing and watching everything that's going on outside. And it, it, you start to think to yourself, does it matter what I'm doing? Mm. If mm. you're focusing on preparing a PowerPoint presentation for a group of lawmakers for a healthcare company, as you're sitting there watching everything that's going on around you in the world, does that matter? You know, do you feel like what you're doing matters? Yeah. So the emphasis needs to be on taking all of that, taking all of your individual lived experiences, um, collaborating with colleagues who have different lived experiences and consistently ensuring that it's integrated into whatever products it is that, that you're producing. Um, always trying to help push clients in the right direction and, and, and to be on the right side of things. So it, it certainly comes up in our daily work. It comes up in some of the overarching shifts um, within the company and, and, and focus of some of those initiatives. Um, but we're also encouraged to take a step back and look at it on a personal level. And I think the personal level is the most beneficiary of those. Yeah, absolutely. I love your answer on that. And I think FTI Consulting is a leading organization that other companies should follow suit in. It sounds like they're doing important work with this. So great. Okay. Um, so back to college, what do you wish you did at Ithaca that looking back on you realized would have helped you maybe joining an organization, maybe changing majors, um, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, when I was in college, I was pretty involved in a number of different, you know, initiatives. Um, I played on, on the rugby team. Um, I bounced at one of the bars downtown, uh, formerly known as, as second floor. Um, I did Habitat for Humanity. Uh, I, I was a tour guide. So really spanned across the campus and got to meet a lot of different people. I think what I didn't realize in the moment is, is someone going into the public affairs industry, you know, will we set priorities and agendas and uh, strategic ideas? A lot of them need to be executed and uh, put forward, amplified through the mouthpiece of the media. Also within the Park School is uh, an incredibly impressive journalism and, you know, television radio major. So I'm seeing a number of uh, my colleagues, people I was in classes with, friends, um, doing some really incredible things, particularly in the media sector. And um, my job is directly connected to that. 
And, and I wish in the moment I'd have a better understanding of how that connection worked and had put more time into meeting some of those people and understanding that there are mutually beneficial relationships that could be formed um, for both of us. It's always great to be able to pick up the phone or send off a message to a fellow Ithaca alum who's working in a media market that you're trying to you know, target for a client and being able to make that Ithaca connection. Um, vice versa, if you have something to offer, it's always good for that person to be able to go to their boss and say, you know, I just got uh, an opportunity to interview with, with this particular person, could be a, a very cool person. Um, at one point, we were working with Obama's DHS secretary. And, you know, I was able to call up friends and say, this is who I have to offer. Um, it made me look good because I was able to get, you know, some interviews that way. And it made them look good because they were able to say, to their boss, look who I just got an interview with. So there yeah. are mutually beneficial relationships that are naturally formed, you know, within the communication school writ large. And I had almost no appreciation for that until I was out of college. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate the, the power of the Ithaca network is what I'm hearing. You never know where people are going to end up. Um, you know, obviously you hear about the, the Dave Muir's and the Bob Iger's. Um, Rob Flaherty is Joe Biden's digital director. Uh, he was deputy digital director for Hillary's campaign. He graduated in, I want to say 2014, 2015. Um, the, uh, I, I know him because that's an industry that I'm interested in. So have obviously, you know, followed him. Um, uh, and, you know, we've spoken every once in a while. But there are people in whatever industry that you're interested in. And I find that Ithaca alum, more than other alums, are, are always willing, open, and happy to talk to current students and to help them, you know, however we can. So I, I would simply say never be shy about reaching out to a fellow alumni. Um, the worst thing they could do is say no. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for now, folks. Thank you again for joining me, Eli. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Of course, a pleasure to speak to you too. As we continue these podcasts, we'd love to know what communication professionals you'd enjoy learning more about. Email me, Savannah Dames, at sdames at ithaca.edu or Julia Batista, co-host and brand ambassador for We Are Next, if you have any suggestions. Till next. The Park Podcast Series is a production of the Career Development Office at the Roy H. Park School of Communications at Ithaca College. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Savannah Dames, and Julia Batista, and produced by Teddy Byrne. The Park Podcast Series is copyrighted 2020, Ithaca College. All rights reserved. Till next time, Parkies.